MailChimp presents. Have you ever heard of the dreaded customer? You know, it's when marketers throw their customers into one big messy group, failing to define them by their different needs or habits. It can show up when coupon codes meant for new customers are sent out to everyone, even return customers who can't use the discount. Basically, it's a mess. If you're a marketer, Intuit MailChimp can help you personalize your marketing campaigns so that you meet customers' individual needs instead of missing them. Turn customers into customers by personalizing emails and SMS based on real-time behavior data. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. SMS is available as an add-on to U.S. paid plans only. Visit MailChimp.com for details. This is Listening, a podcast where we ask musicians to keep a sonic diary transforming the sounds around them into a musical portrait of a particular moment and place. In each episode, we'll try on the ears of a different musician to find out how they listen. Listening was explained to me as something really important to hone. And what their world sounds like. I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm a musician, radio host, and DJ. And as curator for listening, I have the great privilege of bringing you insights from some of the most exciting minds in music, like Emdu Mokhtar, Waxahachie, Stephen Merritt, and today's guests, Jeff, Spencer, and Sammy Tweedy. When a great, large group of people sing and raise their voices together, I always think that that would be humanity's saving grace if we ever came into contact with another civilization, that that sound would be something that would buy us some time to explain ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Tweedy is the best-selling author and Grammy award-winning musician, famous for leading his rock and alt-country groups Wilco, Uncle Tupelo, and Tweedy. A prolific songwriter, he cuts right to the core of the human experience. During the pandemic, he started broadcasting a wildly popular online variety hour called The Tweedy Show with his sons Spencer and Sammy, who have followed in the family trade. In this episode, we dive into the heads of Jeff, Spencer, and Sammy to understand how they listen to the world around them. Then we'll hear the composition they made during several family jams in the basement, And we'll meet up afterward to find out how listening and making music is, as Jeff Tweedy puts it, a way of working toward the light. Jeff, Spencer, Sammy, thanks for speaking with me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Could you do us the favor of introducing yourself so that listeners know each of your voices? Sure. I'm Spencer. I'm Jeff. I'm Sammy. (laughs) It strikes me that musicians, both in their nature and through years of training, are expert listeners. Could you share with me the role that active or intentional listening plays in your art? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of people that can be really good listeners, but I think there's a special kind of musician that can listen 
and play at the same time and and hear what other people are doing as an extension of of what they're doing or not doing. It's a form of empathy, I think. And I, I also think it's a really good litmus test for relationships. If you can listen together, things sound different with more than one set of ears and two consciousnesses and two hearts that are compatible and, and sympathetic to each other. Music sounds better when you listen to it with your friends. I think music mm-hmm. sounds better with love in the room. And, and it's weird, it can also go the opposite way. It can really not sound right or not sound the way it's supposed to sound when there's divided attention and there's not the same type of intent. So it's been something I've been really tuned into my whole life without being able to name it or or even think about it in those terms until much later. That's so powerful. Empathetic listening. Well, let's take it way back to each of your childhoods. Could you recall a moment when you became aware of sound? I have definitely been bathed in sound my entire life. And I feel (laughs) like my consciousness of the importance of that sound really kind of developed very late. Like, honestly, when I started playing music is when I can pinpoint that moment where I started Mm -hmm. thinking about all sound as musical. I think that Sammy, my observation of him as a little kid, uh, I think he feels things really, really powerfully. Mm. I was always kind of amazed that he would always fall asleep at our shows. He would always fall asleep. <laughs> at Wilco shows? Well, not just our shows, but any band, any loud music, anything. It's like Stones. sort of cathartic. He fell asleep during the Rolling Stones when we opened for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> he would, he'd be wide awake and the music would start. And I think it was just this like overwhelming experience that would kind of shut him down. And actually, I think that you've always felt really, really connected to sound. I've always looked at that as like a good sign that, that it's like so intense that you had to like kind of mature to, to regulate it or something, yeah. you know, because it would well, always shut him down. So, I mean, in looking back on your past to becoming expert listeners, at, at least for you, Spencer and Sammy, I mean, you kind of can't say whether that was like cumulative practice or whether you were born with this gift, right? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's inextricable to the way you grew up. Yeah, when people talk about listening around you from an early age, I think you just develop it more. It's, I think everybody has the gift. <laughs> it's just a normal behavior too. It's just a, a modeled, like, this is what people do. They, they don't talk while we're listening. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I think that there's no limit on one's ability to become better at listening because no matter how familiar you are with musical structures or how diligently you're trying to pay attention, I think that there's there's always still more. There's always mm-hmm. still more to, that you could notice. There's always still more sensitivity to be had. I like to try to listen as other people, like I'm one of my friends or something and hear about it that way and, or listen and try and bypass all concepts of like thinking, oh, this sounds like something that it totally doesn't sound like bypassing all genres and making connections. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a deep, deep part of like a songwriter's life is trying to imagine how somebody else is going to hear something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like wanting to like work at being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes for 
clarity. My most profound experience, by the way, with, with listening in my life was early in Uncle Tupelo when we were touring in Scotland in the early 90s. And the hotel we were staying in had a, a fire and the fire alarms went off. We all, everybody went out in the middle of the night. We're standing in the parking lot. And then they, then they gave us the all clear and they sent us all back to our rooms. But the fire alarms didn't go off. Um, so it was like three in the morning and there's this the loudest fire alarm that I, I think I'd ever heard. And I was just sitting there and it went on for like eight or nine minutes. And, and I, I remember sitting on the end of my bed and I fought it at first. And then I started moving my head and hearing it off a different wall. And then I started just kind of rocking back and forth and hearing it like move with my ears. You know, the heard overtones start to change, heard all of the, just like the deeper nuances and what was making the sound. It was like a just extraordinary excursion into my mind. And I wasn't high or anything. It was just like pure sound uh, disorientation or, or transformation, you know, of consciousness. And then it stopped and I cried. I remember crying on my bed, just thinking, I miss it. And I was like so moved by the experience. And I was so proud isn't the right word for it. Uh, I noticed in myself an adaptation to something that I thought was like, okay, that's that's not how everybody would react to that. <laughs> and that's good. Um but I was, I was happy that it occurred to me to not fight it, to, like, to allow that sensation to become what it was. And it was, it was a lesson. It was a, it was a beautiful lesson. And it taught me to appreciate a lot of other things much more deeply. What a powerful experience, man. <laughs> and, and I also wonder, did you draw on that experience in any of your music later on? Yeah. You know, not everything that Wilco does is, is meant to be challenging or... It have tension, but there certainly are a lot of songs that we've put out into the world that, that do draw upon some of that tension and some of that discomfort. Yeah, and the sensation of release, you know, when when it resolves or when it goes away or or comes back. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. So then I set fires at every hotel we ever stayed in. <laughs> The boys grew up adoring fire alarms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all that in mind, let's take a listen to the composition that Jeff, Spencer, and Sammy created, and we'll meet on the other side to discuss it.
Jeff, Spencer, Sammy, this piece is beautiful. Thank you so much. Tell me, if you had to choose just one, what would be your favorite sound? <laughs> mm. I've always been moved by the sound of people singing together. Mm. Like, yeah. I mean, it could be anything. People singing chants at soccer matches, people singing long at a concert, obviously, shape note singing, choirs. When a great large group of people sing and raise their voices together, I always think that that would be humanity's saving grace if we ever came into contact with another civilization, that that sound would be something that would buy us some time to explain ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'd love to jump into this wonderful piece that you three created. (laughs) Were you all playing together with a specific musical goal in mind? Or was this just jamming for the enjoyment of playing together? Just enjoying ourselves, entertaining ourselves, you know, connecting musically. Spencer and I have done a lot of it. So one of the things that we've been able to do more during the the pandemic and all living in one house, kind of nowhere to go and, and... living through pandemic times, it was a great opportunity to play more with Sammy because that that hadn't happened nearly as much just organically in the past. And so Mm -hmm. it was like kind of a a wonderful realization that Sammy had gotten to a point musically where he felt comfortable improvising with us. So we're just trying to explore more of that. I mean, I feel like some of the beauty of this piece as we're discussing it is that you guys were just creating for joy and capturing the moment through music Mm. as a family without any intent or without any idea of, you know, taking it on the road or releasing it. It's such a beautiful, intimate snapshot of that. No, it is. It is its own intent. You know, it's like a group meditation or something. Yeah. I think that it speaks to, to me, to like, the moments where we're imagining fictional places because it's it's more than a space you walk around in in the world. It's more of a mental space. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about some improvised recordings. You do get a very specific sense of an event, 
and a space and a time that it happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why field recordings are so enticing and, and why I think a lot of people's ears are perked up by just knowing that something they're listening to really happened. And that's different than the sculpture style of recording a track and presenting it to the world as an art piece. You know, I guess it's more documentary, but it's pretty powerful. What do we hear here at the top? It's mostly Sammy, isn't it? Um, yeah, MS-20, Korg. I think I'm in there too a mm-hmm. little bit. There's some cymbals rolling. (laughs) How many jams would you say we're listening to bits of in this composition? Now just one, but eventually by the end we'll have heard three different sessions, I think. Was there any ritual involved in meeting up to record together? Sort of like, you know, a Sunday dinner or watching a football game. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's pretty impromptu. As a dad, I've always looked at it like maybe if I was a different person, I'd say, hey, you want to go play catch? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's more like, do you want to hang out in the basement and make some noise? I am so emotionally affected by what's going on in this portion of the composition. Like, there's one moment coming up. right there is like the absolute peak of it for me because of the way everything is ebbing. There's just that like tremolo of the whole ensemble together and something about where that sound, Sammy's kind of whistly synthesizer, the the particular notes he's playing in relation to my dad's chords. Yeah. I don't know how to articulate it any more than that. It's just really powerful to me. Bird song. Yeah. It's got like some natural contours that don't feel predictable. Mm. But it's like a bird song if it happened to grasp the entire world, the world being the ensemble, <laughs> and, and, and affect it for a moment. Like, mm. it's all together. <laughs> it sounds like really broken hold music to me, which is really emotional. Yeah. Broken what music? Like hold music, like on oh, a phone. Yeah. Like the distortion yeah. over a phone line. Mm.
It's like yeah. the hold music that plays when you call another dimension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you call a rival universe. <laughs> this portion's pretty cold to me. It feels like SpongeBob's rock bottom. <laughs> this one felt like it ought to be the end, too, because we'll hear in a second that it kind of transitions out of cold loneliness and into something that feels a lot more spring like and um, warm, in my opinion. And it's a nice note to end with something like that. Just can't ever shake the notion that things should be working towards the light. I'm like have trouble with any art or music or things that work deeper into the darkness. I don't mind things being dark, but I always think that you should be working towards the light. Mm. And one of the things that I've really learned from you to that end is that working toward the light doesn't necessarily mean a Hollywood ending. No. It doesn't have to mean that everything has been solved or that everybody's happy again or yeah. that... It could just be acceptance. <laughs> or just not dismissal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Acknowledgement. I feel quite emotional hearing you all talk about that. It's so much of life, we just don't know where it's going, right? Mm -hmm. And at least here you have a modicum of control. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's hopeful about it inherently is we do have a choice to work towards the light. You can make mm -hmm. something that works towards the light and, and that in and of itself adds more light to the world. I, yeah, I think that's one of the main beautiful rationalizations for spending your life doing something that appears frivolous mm. at times. Yeah. <laughs> like to see this music set against images of the uh, our newfound universal neighbors video of the the new ufos and stuff <laughs> 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 or at least our newfound technological masters <laughs> i for one welcome our new robot overlords <laughs> with, with this improvised <laughs> music yeah, with this <laughs> <laughs> this may have saved humanity <laughs>
Guys, thank you so much for guiding us through this beautiful composition. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder, what would you hope that listeners take away from our conversation about listening and from your composition? I don't know. My, my hope is always that they would feel compelled to go make some noise for themselves and listen to the world around them and make a recording of what's happening on their street and listen back to it and, and realize how, how mysterious the moments we pass through without reflecting on them are all the time. And you just kind of unlock that. You uncover it by recording something and listening back to it. You see yourself in a different moment in time. You hear yourself at a different moment in time. And I think it's very powerful. It's, it's uh, life-affirming, I think. I'm Elia Einhorn, and this is Listening. To return to the Tweety's Basement, be sure to check out the companion piece to this episode, titled Jeff, Spencer, and Sammy Tweety, Full Composition. On the next episode, Waxahachie. At any point, I could be on a run, or I could be out at a party, or I could be wherever, and this melody that's going to, like, change my whole life, you know, (laughs) could, like, happen in my mind. Listening is an original series from MailChimp, made in partnership with TalkHouse and 3DB. Thanks for tuning in. MailChimp presents...